Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. I am thrilled to have Chris Skowronski, the Chief Operating Officer of Munich Re Specialty Group and North America, joining me as part of our Industry Leaders podcast series. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Denise. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. You're going to be cool now, Chris, you know, because you have a podcast. So your kids and their friends are going to think this is really, really cool. Fantastic. I always like to start off the podcast, Chris, give a little bit of background on yourself, what your role is, our partnership. So do you want to kind of give that perspective to the audience? Sure. would love to. So Denise, I started my career in consulting several years ago in financial services and then moved on to two innovative startups in the early 2000s, which then translated into me beginning my career in insurance, which has been in force for the last 20 years, half of which was spent in IT and the remaining half spent in various business strategy and operations roles. In the last four years, I assumed a blended role of chief digital officer and chief operating officer for a business unit within Munich Re Specialty. And my remit was to define and build an end-to-end target operating model for a specialty MGU. And that was fundamentally a new entrepreneurial opportunity within the industry for me to help define product, process, people, technology, partnerships. And our relationship with Majesco fundamentally began during those early stages of defining not only the technology, but obviously building a longstanding relationship with Majesco in terms of delivering an integrated suite. You have a really interesting background and your experience with these other startups in e-commerce and now in insurance gives you kind of a very unique kind of perspective. What have you found to be the similarities and differences between the two startups around e-commerce and now this MGA startup for Munich Re and insurance? And what learnings did you bring forward to kind of bring to the work that you've been doing at Munich Re? Great question. You know, I would say, Denise, when I dig back in history and I think about my three to four years that I've spent building two internet startups, fundamental differences that come to mind is back in the day, you know, those startups were truly entrepreneurial in nature. There were unproven business models. There was a lot of test and learn. There was this mentality of you build it and they will come. Tremendous amount of risk. Profitability wasn't in focus. It was more about top line growth. And when I compare and contrast that to the insurance industry, particularly the role that I've been executing in the last few years, it's more entrepreneurial in nature. It's our client expectations are fairly understood. You know, there's plenty of existing business models that one can leverage and replicate. Technologies are readily available and growing quickly is important, but growing profitably is critical. And so, you know, those are the fundamental differences. However, the similarities are there's a fundamental need for speed, right? Moving at the pace that I'd say many things within the industry have sort of taken on a path of modernization, dealing with legacy challenges. When you're in a growth mode and you're building something for scratch, speed matters. Growing quickly matters. 
testing, failing fast matters. But all of that is still with those constraints in, in terms of we have existing client relationships, we have existing distribution partners, and we need to maintain their expectations. And we need to ensure that we deliver upon the commitments that we make to them. Fundamentally, you know, I'd say the similarities are go fast, right? Yeah. Deliver as quickly as possible. Learn, adopt. Fundamentally, the constraints are a little different in a sense that it's more of a known world. It's the relationships are there. The expectations are clear versus pure startups are a little bit more about dipping your toe into the uncharted territory. And that brings along, I think, that, that much more risk-taking and that, much, that many more unknowns. When you kind of talk about building that foundation and that foundation around the organization, the products, the business processes, and obviously the technology, it's easy to kind of take an internal kind of view, but you really took a very different view that was really an approach of building that foundation, but with an eye to the customer. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Absolutely. It starts with the product and the service that our customers require. And Unigree being who they are, you know, they are a 360 degree risk management provider. And so we have relationships across all constituents, be that brokers, insureds, reinsurers, in many cases, data providers, suppliers, partners, educational institutions. And so we get a tremendous amount of input from all of those constituents in terms of what the expectations are at a market. The customer first focus is there, first and foremost. When we were looking to build our processes and our technologies around those expectations, you know, there are table stake expectations out there in terms of how to manage a business, right? How you handle policy? How do you handle a bill? How do you support the claim service? How do you pull all that data together? And we fundamentally didn't want to take a siloed approach to this. Instead, we said we holistically wanted to build an integrated process behind our organization that is supported by a technology that stitches that together. And fundamentally also a vendor partner that brings software to the table that brings a lot of industry best practices forward to us to leverage and to adopt. And I think with that sort of bi-directional understanding of our external partners' expectations and what our technology and vendor partners can provide in a marketplace, we've been able to find that sweet spot whereby we've been able to deliver on both ends in a fairly rapid manner. That makes me think about how this foundation is really allowing you now to have a digital focus to the future, giving you the ability to do some really interesting and innovative things that are going to be of real value to your customers and the brokers. Talk about that and what that's going to mean to them. Absolutely. As we sort of implemented back office first, right, the foundation, the core, as you've alluded to before, that has tremendously influenced the speed at which we can accommodate our customer requests, whether that is a broker or an insured in terms of issuing a policy, managing a claim request, providing them insight and status on where things are, providing them that white glove service with our staff because they have the information readily available at their fingertips. All those expectations have been met. And those are expectations I think that I would deem as hygiene expectations. The next wave is really sort of not only addressing what I believe the industry has been trying to solve for quite some time, but the interest in providing ease of doing business, right? Providing a tailored service via the channel that the customer prefers. We've gradually been able to deploy those capabilities to the customer. We're frequently and readily getting feedback in terms of what works and what doesn't work. We want to be as quickly responsive as possible, but we also want to leverage that core really from a digital perspective, push the envelope. We're improving the experience in ways that maybe customers didn't expect. And that is a differentiator for us, and it will be a differentiator for our customers. I think the technology landscape is evolving so quickly that the ability to layer on top of that foundation 
is going to be very dynamic and it's going to evolve rapidly, you know, quarter after quarter, year over year. Clearly, as you know, we've seen the, the various vendors come to play within InsureTech. I think there's much more that's going to be manifesting itself in various areas where I think we can enrich that experience building on top of the core that we've established. Building on all of that, when you think about insurance and you think about our business, the complexity of risk is not getting any easier. It's getting much more difficult and it's getting layers of risk. And so when you were kind of thinking about as a startup, particularly in the specialty arena, how did you focus on developing the right products and what was the right risk management practices, the right business processes, especially around underwriting? And how do you kind of look at that from an ongoing policy and customer service perspective to really help manage that risk or mitigate that risk. You had such a great opportunity to kind of step back and say, green slate, how are we going to rethink this? And how are we going to rethink this in light of a really rapidly changing risk environment that all of the loss aspects and loss details of the past really are irrelevant today because our market and environment is so different. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Our product build was informed by obviously direct customer feedback. That's our brokers, that's our clients. And quite honestly, given who Munichry is, the amount of data that we capture within particular exposures within particular regions and territories and risk classes, we had all that information at our disposal. And as we started to balance, you know, what is a commodity product that we would offer, we obviously as an organization have all the solutions available, but each and every time a risk characteristic comes up that requires something unique, we adopt, right? And we adapt. And that is fundamentally the way I define specialty. And so many of the products we've launched on the service appear like they would be very similar to what other carriers and providers are offering, but we differentiate ourselves through the coverages, through the terms, through the rates, through their prices. And, you know, all feedback in general from a subjective perspective comes from our clients, but from an objective perspective, it comes from our data. And we're able to triangulate on that information to develop products that fundamentally meet the market needs. Really fascinating. And to be able to then kind of take those product concepts and be able to kind of put those into a system that you can actually issue, underwrite, service, all of that, it's really a different kind of technology foundation. What were you looking at from a key component and capabilities and what were your expectations and how the technology would enable your business model and drive that speed to market when you were looking at options and ended up selecting us? That was a very, very involved analysis phase, to be honest, Denise. We've we've looked at obviously all the competition. We've looked at our varying needs. We've looked at speed to market. And then quite honestly, we've looked at the ability to deliver. And the culmination of all of those facets resulted in us picking Majesco, transpired into a very rapid and I'd say clear strategy in terms of pulling those elements together. And more importantly, you know, I didn't mention at the onset of this podcast, but when we picked the platform, we built the team and we delivered on the lines of business, all of this was done at the onset of the pandemic. And so <laughs> it's kind of funny as I say that right now, because it's the first time I actually met many of the people that I've worked with the last four years within the Majesco organization was not until last month. And so, you know, it underscores the, the partnership and the relationship quality that sort of cemented itself four years ago and now continues, you know, fast and furious in the sense of the vendor partner had to understand our 
mission, right? They had to understand our product. They had to understand our business to be able to apply that technology, not just in an out-of-box fashion, but in a very curated and mindful way in terms of customizing and modifying the platform to meet those things that are truly differentiating for us. And as we picked this relationship, right, those were things that we were looking for at the onset is the technology itself is going to evolve. And we knew that cloud platform gave us the flexibility, obviously, in this environment to deploy things and expose things to our delivery teams, to our business users, to our clients in a much more rapid fashion. And so, you know, we didn't make that decision until the pandemic kind of started. We initiated the first thread of work, probably in the first quarter of the pandemic when everybody was in a remote fashion. You know, it sort of evolved from there. Quite honestly, the other part about deciding on a platform is taking a leap of faith in terms of how rapidly can your vendor partner and software provider evolve their product set. So, you know, I recall when we first were evaluating the capabilities, they were strong and they were market leading, but they haven't remained unchanged. We've been, you know, I'd say collectively evolving the product roadmap. We've been enhancing capabilities that not only we as an organization have benefited, but I believe we've contributed to the community in the sense that some of those capabilities now will make their way into other organizations, thereby, you know, I think furthering the industry advancement and furthering, I think at the end of the day, the client experience, both for the broker and for the insured two things that you say here. One is you use the word partner, because I think that's a really important aspect when you kind of go into relationships these days around technology. It can't be just customer supplier type of perspective. It really is a partnership. And to your point, the ideas that you've come up with that have enhanced the product, gotten on the roadmap, been delivered, it's really about both a customer and us as a partner with you relationship, but it's also a broader relationship in the industry. And it's that collaboration. And I think it's that's really goes to the root of what the industry has done really well for decades is our level of collaboration. And now today we can actually have that level of collaboration if we really approach the technology in a really partnership type of way. It can benefit everybody, yet you can do your unique things through the configurations, how you and the types of products you're going to deliver, this type of services. And then secondly, doing everything virtually for two years, practically. That says a lot about the partnership. Thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the word partner, I would extend even beyond just to say it's a singular thing. It's a partner network. It's our relationship with Majesco is sort of the foundation of the platform we built. But, you know, we enrich that with complementary services, with various vendor partners, with internal capabilities, and your ability to interact with those external vendors, to provide the integration methods, to assist in implementing those touch points and those connections. I mean, that, that furthermore, I think amplifies kind of the value that we're able to internally benefit from, but also to provide, as I mentioned, that increased experience to our insureds and our brokers. The virtual component of this, I'd say nobody ever expected it. I think it was a challenge that one would say, you know, when I reflect on when we were putting together our risk register for a multi-year initiative with, you know, a multi-million dollar investment, something that was never contemplated. And we had this moment where we reflected on, should we wait? And there was a point in time before we launched this program recently upon me joining the organization where we said, well, the safe thing would have been wait and see. Let's see how things settle down. Let's wait till we have a team in place. Let's ensure that things are kind of clearer before we jump into this. And, you know, going back to the original conversation about being entrepreneurial, being entrepreneurial, 
you know, you have to be willing to take some risks. And we took that leap of faith, right, with everything, relationships with Majesco, picking the platform, hiring people <laughs> internally, onboarding them remotely, working in this new way. I'll tell you in the early days, we didn't even have video available to the team. And so everything was done via, you know, screen share, email, and, and audio. And, and I will tell you that I think it was the right decision. It wasn't a, a smooth start. But it was one that I think as the team and the group and the partners reflect on what was accomplished, you know, it was met with every single challenge, those that were foreseen and those were that were unforeseen. And I think it just gives people that much more satisfaction in terms of what they've accomplished. I think in hindsight, I wouldn't have done it any other way. It really highlights the power of the possible, given all the things that were kind of happening during those two years. And it's really a testament to what you say is really that partner network or this partner ecosystem and the collaboration between it, it couldn't be done without the power of the possibility of every one of them. You have been able to deliver four new, really complex products during this period in about six to nine months each. This is really a rapid pace, particularly for complex risk products. What's the competitive value of that speed to market? And how does that deliver on expectations for your customers and, and brokers and really strengthen those relationships that you become the place that they want to come and do business with? You know, Denise, in our industry, it's not uncommon for when there's a gap in risk management identified for it to take quite some time for solutions to come to bear. And oftentimes it can be technology impediments. You know, it could be legacy constraints. It could be not necessarily having the right skill or capability in house to meet those expectations. And so, you know, the pace at which we move, you know, to develop a product that was complete and that was representative of what the customer relayed to us as their most immediate need in a time frame that was within the same year of when they requested it was deemed remarkable on their end. And we seek to always exceed expectations where possible. And I think this is kind of when we launched the very first product, we wanted to build on that credibility, right? We wanted to build on those expectations. And quite honestly, the excitement that we got in the marketplace led to even more engagement. And as we got more and more engagement, customers and partners, we wanted to continue that velocity. It sort of worked out well because the team that was in place to build the first and the second product developed so much expertise that they were able to even move at a faster clip than they had originally anticipated. So it was kind of self-reinforcing in a way, you know, the first success led to the second and then thereafter, we just kind of got into a rhythm and I don't foresee that stopping. It could be additional enhancements to the existing products. We can add more coverages. We could get more services appended to those products. It's sort of sky's the limit in terms of new products that we bring to the market, but we don't just want to experiment. We want to bring those things that our customers actually need. And in some cases work in partnership with them to help us define what that next wave looks like. The fact that we've been able to do it at this clip, you know, product after product with overlapping deliveries, our goal is to maintain that velocity. And as long as the customers are articulating what they expect of us, we're going to be there and execute it at that level of rate and, you know, commitment to them. That's great. And so as you kind of look forward into 2023, you know, the year's just started and, you know, um, there's a lot to happen here in 2023. There's a lot happening in the marketplace. We expect that to probably continue into 2024. What are you looking forward to and what excites you the most on the possibilities ahead? I think as we sort of talked about, the core is, is critical. Right. And I think the core is in place and it's been in place and we continue to refine it. It will be an ongoing evolution of what we've built. But to sort of go to that next level, you know, we, we really want to meet all of our customers, how they want to engage with us. Right. So, you know, there's so many things out there that 
our possibilities. White glove will always remain there. The personal relationships will be there. The ability to handle the account in a rapid manner with face-to-face -face or virtual engagement is going to be there. We want to, where it's appropriate, because that matters, right? We have to be fit for purpose. If our brokers want to integrate with us in a specific way, we'll make that happen. If our clients are expecting a certain digital experience that is different than what we have today, we will make that happen. On the back end operationally, we're applicable. If we want to be more sophisticated with our data, if, you know, we want to apply more artificial intelligence to those domains, we're going to make that happen. And so, you know, all those things I'm mentioning to you have a place on our roadmap and there are different levels of execution and at different levels of maturity. We sort of have everything fired up and everything moving in a forward direction. Just the speed at which we move is going to be dictated by what our customers fundamentally tell us is important to them. It's going to be a fun ride, Chris. We're looking forward to it with you. Likewise. I like to always end these podcasts, not to put the pressure on you, but with all the podcasts that we've done, we've only had a couple of duplicates. And what I like to do is have you pick one word or a phrase that describes the future of insurance. What is it and why? Hmm. I fear that I'm going to pick an overlapping word, but the one that comes to mind, just given the nature of our discussion is dynamic. And why I pick that is I think it's an industry characterized by just constant change forward progress, and fundamentally continued resilience. Everything that's changed in the last decade, in the last century, insurance has been able to adjust accordingly. And typically they're ahead of the curve in anticipating what those risks are and providing not only products and services to address them, but honestly, the support to bring those businesses back into profitability, back into operational states, whether it's on a commercial end or on a personal lines end, it's been an industry that's evolved rapidly due to enormous changes. And the changes are on all fronts, economic, social, political. And it amazes me how resilient it's been. And fundamentally, I think it's probably one of the most dynamic industries that I have had much exposure to. So Denise, I, I don't know if that's an overlapping word. I'm hoping it's it, not, but if it is. It, you it's not, Chris, you did good. <laughs> and I couldn't agree with you more about the dynamic nature there's the old adage that once you get into insurance, you never leave. Well, my first job was in insurance and I've never left. I think it's because it's not really understood the dynamic nature of it, the, the moral value that it really does in underpinning risk so that businesses can operate, governments can operate, people can live their lives. I think that it's such an exciting time for the industry because the possibilities are actually endless given everything that's changing around us. And we're so happy to be working with a partner like yourself and a company that you represent that really sees those possibilities and really looking at the opportunities ahead in the future. So thank you, Chris, for your time today. We're looking forward to an exciting 2023 and beyond. Looking forward to having not only virtual conversations, but also in-person conversations throughout the year. Thank you, Denise. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to future discussions. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.